You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Derek this is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on in to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. A good old positive cast. The New York Yankees rebound from embarrassment on Friday night. Derek Jeter night. Hall of Fame induction night. Rock bottom. Aaron Hicks not allowed to play home games anymore. Drops the fly ball for two runs. Can't find a fly ball for the next run. It's the worst game of the year. It's it's the worst game of the year. It's a 3.5 game lead in the division. If they lose the other two this weekend, they are tied in the loss column as Tampa and Toronto start tangling for five north of the border and all the Rays relievers have to sit home because they don't believe in medicine. And we don't even get to have any fun with it because the Yankees would have just gotten swept after face planting. We were all worried they were going to run Aaron Hicks out there again the next day. Nope. Aaron Boone yanks him in the middle of the game. Doesn't play again. He can't play in front of a home crowd maybe ever again with that effort. And the Yankees lineup, boom, 10 runs, 10 runs. Corey Kluber, old friend, old foe. Luis Patino, he was terrible on Sunday. Domingo Herman pitches one inning, and the New York Yankees win the third game of this three-game set. They won the second one, too. 10-3 and 10-4 dominant blowouts didn't really get much itchier than in the middle of Sunday's game when Ron Marinaccio was bad for like two seconds. Two easy wins. Uh, big September series wins for this team. I mean, last year in Boston, the Stanton Grand Slam. Last year at Toronto, big first two wins there for losing the third then coming home and sucking against the Rays. But other than that nine-game stretch last year where the Eagles had a gauntlet to end the season and miraculously got to the playoffs but had to do all that just to get to the wildcard game at Fenway, this year they had more to protect. They weren't just trying to get there, trying to hold off their competition. Mets and and you know Mets and Yankee fans going back and forth on what's a collapse. Duh, the Braves are playing too good. That's not a collapse. Duh, the Rays were playing good too. Who cares? Both teams collapsed. But the Yankees were trying to hold off that competition from officially 
reaching them and then maybe passing them like we saw with the Dodgers in the race for best record. You know, reach, reach, up, pass, up. They're like 10 games up now. The Astros in the race for best record in the AL. Uh, they, they got us. They were seven back. Now they're tied. Now we're one up. up and now we're like eight down. Like we've seen it for everybody else. As soon as you let them catch you, they pass you. Yankees have to try their best not to let the Rays and Jays pass them. And they came up with two huge wins this week. And we're going to be talking about what made the offense click and was Kevin Cash to blame. Hmm. And also, uh, there's a lot of players about to join the New York Yankees. Some you want to see, some you don't want to see. The flip side of everyone hitting the injured list at the same time, some of them come back, but some of them might also get banished to double A and triple A for the rest of the season. It's worth considering, but a couple of big leaguers about to lose their jobs ahead of the playoffs. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review. Along with the mailbag question, we'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back from the weekend. Yankees off day today. Yankees off day Thursday. Yankees off day next Monday. Only five games this week in the next eight days. That's huge for a team that was barely walking entering Saturday and still had a statement series. I love it. Um, we talk. We've given. I'm going to give the Yankees some credit because we've given them a lot of shit about fumbling the bag and rolling with the bad momentum and failing to uh, um, roll with the good momentum. Um, obviously, the beginning of the season was a different story, but then you're in this stretch since you know the end of June, where it's like, okay, you got to snap out of this at some point, and they don't snap out of it. And Friday, like you said as bad as it could have gotten. It's Derek Jeter Hall of Fame night. The crowd is waiting for a moment that they could explode. And Jeter explained it eloquently because Yankee fans get a lot of shit for booing and um, opposing fans think they're spoiled or they're entitled or they're just impatient or whatever. And Jeter put it simply, Yankee fans boo because they want to cheer because they go to Yankee Stadium in the Bronx where most people don't, you know, <laughs> the Bronx is a tough place to get to if you're not from the Bronx. It's not, it's not an easy trip. Tickets are expensive. You're coming to see a good product. You're, you know, it's it's a full day there. So you want to, see, obviously, you can't see the best thing every single time. But there's a reason for growing growing frustration when you're seeing a team of this magnitude underachieve. So um, Jeter always diplomatic and great. The media has, the, the media can't figure him out still in his, in his, in his you know, post, uh, post-playing days. Um, and I absolutely love it. And it's a good explanation of kind of how we feel and who we are. Um, but after Friday's, uh, loss, absolutely brutal. You're sitting there staring down the barrel of having, of having a one and a half game lead after this weekend. And you're like, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to watch. I don't know if I'm going to care. I don't know if I can afford to care, uh, because my health will be adversely affected, but two sweat free, free victories, the Yankees put Friday in the past so quickly, never even thought that they were capable of that uh, first inning bludgeoning of Corey Kluber. What was it, eight straight singles or something? It was pretty awesome. At least seven. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it yeah, that, that never ended. You that never cool. see that. And th- and you know what's funny is I wa- the most weekend baseball I've watched was Friday um, because Saturday I watched the first inning and I was happy enough to say, you know what, I can enjoy the rest of my day. Yankees are up 6 nothing. I don't think they can blow this. I think I'm confident in them holding the lead. They did, and then Sunday was week one. Game was delayed. Got to prioritize a little football over that. Was watching both, oscillating, but wasn't paying as much attention and was uh, a little bit more um, glued to the NFL. But 20 runs in two games. You outscore the race 20-7. to You somehow get by with a bullpen game. Um, the, the perks of scoring first, folks, uh, we've – 
talked about it many times uh, earlier in the year. The Yankees were the team where you're like, you know what? Opponent can be up by four and the Yankees are kind of scary. Not really the case anymore. Now the Yankees scoring first sets the tone. I don't know the, I still don't understand the identity of this team. You score first, obviously that's good. But then the other team scores one run and you're like, is the game over? And then the other team scores six runs after you score two. And you're like, you know, we're still in this. So who are the New York Yankees? We're still trying to figure it out. Uh, stay tuned, folks. Uh, we have three about three weeks of regular season left. Um, but, yeah, I'm feeling good. The performance from Tyone, I understand that um, some uh, lesser optimistic fans would be like, oh, well, you know, he came out of that first inning with a six-run cushion. It's like, yeah, but he got the job done. So, like, it's fine. He's got a sub-four ERA now. Um, I know some of his outings are frustrating, but – facing the team that's gunning for you in the division and the Rays never go away. So 6-0 lead or 2-0 lead or 2-1 deficit, I don't really think it matters. Um, And then Sunday, the response there, um, you can't ask for anything better. And a well-deserved off day on Monday because that was a a difficult weekend to to kick things off on Friday. Um, What has spurred the turnaround? What has? Could you blame Kevin Cash? I'll let you talk on that in a second. But I think it's Paul O'Neill. Why? Friday, September 2nd, when the Yankees were in Tampa. You remember that game? 9 nothing disaster. Marwin Gonzalez uh, came on to pitch at the end of that one. Um, and when that inning was over, when the game ended, he officially had the same amount of strikeouts as he did hits since, I think, January 6th or 8th or January 6th. January 6th, yeah. yeah since, the, since the insurrection. Um, yeah. Since July 6th or 8th or something. Um, so you were like, great, this is rock bottom. And that was after, obviously, the Yankees squandered a ton of opportunities at runners in scoring position. Um, the game was well within reach, and then they let it get away from them. Um, and Paul O'Neill called out the Yankees. He said that it didn't seem like they were taking pride in their at-bats on, on the broadcast, obviously, of Friday night, um, because I think they went 5 for 32. They struck out 13 times as a team, and five different Yankees struck out multiple times. Um, it was an ugly loss, um, and obviously the Yankees were trying to get back on track um, over the struggles that they had had. They had that really bad road trip. They went 3-4 and four against the A's and the Angels. So you're sitting there and you're like, what the hell, man? You're going to come out of that road trip and this is how you're going to respond? Nine, nothing. And I think it was three hits. It was something egregious. Paul Neal said they're not taking pride in their at-bats. He remembers back in his day when like people were conscientious and and uh, very aware of working themselves out of slumps and and doing their best to pick up the team when it was evident that the team was down. And we run into those issues all year where the team is down and you have Aaron Judge who's carrying the team all year and at the same time, you're just like, okay, one guy doing that is great, but there's eight others. So can one or two people help maybe? Would that, that, would, that would be nice. That would be great for Aaron Judge to have some help. Um, so after Paul O'Neill said that, the Yankees are six and three in their last nine, averaging five runs per game. I understand that's a little inflated because of the 20, run, um, uh, 20 total runs scored on Saturday and Sunday. But numbers are numbers, folks. Six and three, good record. Pretty good record for playing fairly solid competition after you had a disastrous road trip. Um, and uh, they officially have the season tiebreaker over the Rays uh, for in the event something wonky happens as, as the year progresses. So I'm chalking it up to Paul O'Neill, who you would have thought been more critical after watching what he's watched the last three years, right? Paul O'Neill's been on the broadcast. He's seen the ups and downs of this team. This is the same this is the same theme of, of the Yankees. First half is actually more of an aberration than anything. What we've witnessed in the second half 
was more 2021 and 2020 Yankees. So Paul O'Neill has been watching this for three years and he's been relatively reserved in his response. And I don't even think he took that big of a shot at the Yankees. He's just watching guys walk back to the dugout. He's watching guys put forth non-competitive at bats. And he's probably like, what's going on, man? I'm a four-time champion. I, I know what it's like to be on a championship team. What's happening? Why is nobody kind of trying to dig this team out? So I think maybe uh, cosmically that that's turned things around for New York. I hope. I hope. Uh, shout out to, uh, you know, you, you, you watch the offense in, in the game that O'Neill was talking about, and you just have to talk to yourself. Like, how, how is there not better depth on this roster? Like, I know injuries are – you can't I, – I, I'm the number one guy who's like, hey, look at the lineup that they were supposed to have. Look at the lineup they do have. And if they lose the AL East lead, that'll help you, you know, explain that brain buster because most of the people they were relying on are not here. Yeah. That said, there are not many elite teams that just end up, you know, even if you lose the first line of defense and have to go with like five stop gaps, it shouldn't get as bad as Marwin Gonzalez and Ronald Guzman and the people the Yankees were running out there. Um, Floreal is pretty much a zero at this point, unfortunately. Hicks, obviously, textbook definition of a zero. And he's one of the technical starters remaining from the beginning of the year. Like, it shouldn't get that bad. These are guys who are getting a rare chance, though. Like O'Neill said, show us something. Take pride in your at-bats, and you watch that first game in Tampa, and you watch the Friday night game in the Bronx on Jeter night, and you're like, they're not doing anything. But, like, they, they got – congrats on having the Twins in the middle of the week. The Twins are a borderline playoff team this year. Strong offense. The Twins are throwing some good pitchers out there at you. Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, a, a rookie making his big league debut. Like, you always have trouble with those guys, and he's always. a – helium alert dude so it's not like he's a nobody he's just somebody you've never faced before and he's good uh they fight through that series and win three out of four but all the naysayers are saying all right show it to me when the twins are gone friday night comes in again awful at bats switch is flipped switch is flipped on saturday switch is just flipped on saturday um and it's you know Giancarlo stanton is starting all of a sudden but he was starting before he was starting a couple weeks ago he was starting in the oakland series and, and the angel series and he just looked terrible and he was starting on the road at the trop and he just looked terrible. So it's not even like, you know, it, this sudden injection of Giancarlo Stan, it's not that he's back and his body is there and he's taking up space. It's that he's back back. And I'll talk about him in a second, but I also do want to give credit, even more credit to Jameson Tyone, who yeah. I think of all the people who Yankee fans will roll their eyes. And like, every time a player struggles, we'll say like, ah, typical that guy, they'll find a flaw and they'll be like, ah, there's, there goes that guy doing that thing again. We do it with <laughs> Garrett Cole when he's in a huge game and gives up a big home run or has an implosion inning. We do it with IKF when he hits a dribbler or a pop-up in a big spot. And go, ah, could have been Carlos Correa. Like we do that with the role as Chapman. Uh, and he deserves it because he does always implode in huge situations. And that guy sucks. But of the people who deserve it, like of all the people who get that treatment when they struggle, it's like ah, typical this guy. Tyone deserves it the least, I would say. Um, okay. he, you know, people people love to say like there will be a homer prone Tyone start, and people like God, ah, there's Tyone. I for, almost forgot for a second that's who this was, and I understand that impulse. And he's had some starts, and and he had like a month this season where he he wasn't really of caliber to be in this rotation. And one of those games was at Fenway Park. And it was like a game where he was staked to a huge lead, gave up a 6-3 lead in the middle of that game. J.D. Martinez homered off him. J.D. Martinez couldn't homer off your grandfather right now, and he homered off Tyone. Uh, you know, we got we got frustrated with him. We got angry with him. But 23 starts this season of three runs or fewer, tied for the most in Major League Baseball. Most in Major League Baseball. 
good starts. And he's your four or five guy. It's not your ace. So occasionally you watch him, you feel like there's not a put away pitch. But yeah, he, he occasionally has bad starts where the homer bugaboo gets to him. But more often than not, more often than literally anybody else in baseball, he limits the damage this year to three runs or fewer. And in the Yankees' two biggest series of the last two years, the biggest game of the year last year, Jameson Tyone started uh, against the Rays. Uh, the Yankees needed to win to make the postseason. Game 162, needed to win. Can't lose. Lose, you're out of the playoffs. If they lost that game, the Jays make the wild card game. Would that have been more pleasurable overall? Obviously, yes. Ultimately, the Blue Jays would have beaten the Red Sox and would have prevented the stupid playoff run. But then the Red Sox heads maybe got inflated for this year and then maybe the led to this year sucking. I don't know. I don't actually know. I uh, don't want to relitigate history. But Tyron gets the biggest start of last year. Need to win a game to make the playoffs. He's got a bum ankle that needs to be surgically repaired. And he guts through just enough innings to turn that over the bullpen. I think he went four. Maybe he went three. He was great. Started and won the biggest game of the year against the Rays. What did he do this year? Started and won the biggest game of the year against the Rays. And he should have only allowed one earned run. He got two tacked onto his line at the end of the game because Esteban Florial dropped the ball in center field. And there was a two-out, two-run single off somebody else. And I don't really know why that wasn't an error. But Tyone gets the two biggest starts of the season, back-to-back years, and against a team that the Yankees cannot beat and he beats them twice. So credit to him. Yeah. Uh, my one, my, I have two questions about this weekend. We'll just go through them quickly. Um, why didn't Oswald Peraza play Saturday or Sunday? He's been, he's got on base. It's, great. One, it's, a, great two, it's a great question. Been on base one, two, three, four, five straight games or uh, uh, four straight games since the Minnesota series and played obviously Friday. I know he had, a little bit of an issue on defense. He bobbled that ball, but that was a tough play running in for a rookie. Um, I don't know why we're going to – I don't know why we're not looking for a solution still over IKF slash Donaldson. Um, I, I don't know how, as a manager or as an organization, you think either of those guys are going to help you in the postseason. Um, on a regular playing time basis, I think they both possess value. I just don't think both of them starting is the answer. Um, I understand it was part of the answer and the equation to the really good first half, but it was also among the detrimental reasons why the Yankees spiraled out of control on top of injuries and on top of all of that. Um, These two guys did not step up when they were called upon. um, And I understand that's not really their role. Their role is to lengthen and deepen the lineup and bring different types of approaches. Um, But I just, you saw Oswald Peraza play. You see how his bat plays. You see how much range he plays. He has on defense. Something, something that should continue. Um, And then Clay Holmes coming in yesterday. I know he needed work, but like, why does Herman throw one inning and 14 pitches? And why does Clark Schmidt throw two innings and 30 pitches? Like have those guys go two and three or three and four. Why do we, I I don't know. They won the game. I'm not complaining. I'm just, I'm wondering things because Ramon gets out of the first on 14 pitches and walks one batter, and that doesn't warrant a second inning. I'm not the biggest Domingo Ramon fan, but, like, you can have him push 30. Clark Schmidt, very efficient in two innings, strikes out four batters in his two innings, and you're not just going to bring him out to close out a 10-3 game in the ninth? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, and Litke but, is, like, the long man, and he doesn't even get an inning. Like, it's, no. it's such a weird bullpen game. It's, it's so like, weird. The dude who usually covers two or three innings in these games gets two-thirds, and then, like, Greg Weiser got an out. I think. And obviously he's struggling a little bit lately, but like, okay, great. Now we got to cover seven more. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm very glad Hicks did not play. That was the best call of the weekend. For one of the first times you see Aaron Boone actually manage with with a with a uh, a kind of a strict purpose. I don't think Aaron Boone's ever really been strict throughout his entire tenure with the Yankees. You never really remember like a benching outside of like, you know, what can I even think of? Like Glaber on opening day this year, but it yeah. was just like you had to play your best lineup, so Glaber obviously wasn't playing. Um, at the time when everybody was fully healthy and we had different expectations for different people. But uh, Aaron Boone yanks Hicks after that uh, error on Friday because the crowd's abusing him. Yeah, fully so. I mean, if Hicks makes that first play and then misses that next line drive, I don't think there's a problem because that next line drive was a scorcher. And it was a tough play for most left fielders, in my opinion, that just compounded. It was like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna make that bad play, have that bad of an effort, and then you're gonna get twisted around on what the it was the next batter or the bat or, or two batters later. Yeah, I mean, they so, would have been out of the inning if he'd caught the first one. They they win the game on Kyle Higashioka's walk off homer in the ninth. Just yeah. I mean, obviously life would have played out differently. But yeah, two outs in the inning, all you need to do is squeeze one. He couldn't squeeze either. The first yeah. one in his glove. Then yeah. he Charlie Browned it, looking at the fucking wall. But the second one. Kind of a tough play, you know, turn yeah. himself around. It's not going to stop the Joey Gallo chance, though. No. Good, no. Left, good left fielder catches that. 
Correct. You're right. Um, not really, again, playing out of position, mostly a center fielder, not really a left fielder. So that's another team problem we have, but nonetheless, I thought, and then he didn't play the rest of the weekend. Um, maybe, maybe can't play in home games anymore. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, again, not a guy, a guy who just hasn't been contributing in a positive manner outside of that 35 game stretch he had earlier this year, um, sandwiched in between like June and July Everything else has been absolutely disastrous. Um, the Yankees not pulling the plug here all year has just been crazy to me. Even dating back to last season, it was like he's constantly injured. When he's on the field, there's something bothering him, whether it was a surgery, whether it's a nagging injury, whether it's him just not being able to uh, deal with the spotlight. Just not a fit here, and it sucks, and I don't like saying it, but you've watched enough games to know that just trash the 30 million, man. It's 30 million bucks. You'll make it back in chicken buckets and IPAs in, in a weekend series against the fucking Red Sox. It doesn't matter. It'll, it's like you ha- at some point you have to improve morale. Um, you have to get those liabilities off the roster that are going to give the crowd fuel for the negative energy. And the Yankees did that with Joey Gallo, even though the, even though the crowd energy at the end of Joey Gallo's tenure wasn't that bad. It was like, man, we feel bad for you, man. Every time you get like robbed, it's going to, every time you hit a foul home run, it's just going to be like, damn it, man. We really wanted that one for you. Like we didn't care at some point. You're like, I don't even care if this gives the Yankees the lead or something. I just want him to do something. So he doesn't have to keep dealing with this. Um, But Hicks has been a source of frustration because of Brian Cashman's dumb decision to sign him to a seven year extension, unreasonable expectations on a guy who only had one full good season before signing that extension Shouldn't be here. Aaron Boone, I think, making the right move and just saying, you know what? You're not playing the rest of this weekend because that play was unacceptable and we can't have, you know, we can't trot somebody out there who's going to constantly be the butt end of the joke um, when the crowd is is getting kind of unruly. Um, so my only two problems were the Schmidt and – or Schmidt, Holmes, Herman combined into one. It was a weird bullpen game, but I'm not going to complain about a 10-4 win or 10-3 win or whatever it was. Um, and good job by Aaron Boone because we do a lot of we do a lot of uh, critic criticism of him with the lineups, which are still a little bit wonky um, with the defensive alignments, which are still a little bit wonky. Mm-hmm. But uh, finally made a disciplinarian decision that we don't usually see. And I hope that's more to come because that's going to set the tone for the younger players coming up. You know, you can't do that shit. That shit's not acceptable. Don't care if you're, you know, theoretically a few years ago. Don't care if you're a baby bomber. I don't care. If you make a dumb, asinine play and leave yourself uh, to that criticism that is literally a layup for the media, is a layup for the crowd, is a layup for opposing fans, you're out. And then you got to make it back up to us to, to earn the playing reps again. It's just – it's simple. It's the way sports have worked forever. I don't know why we're dealing with, you know, the, the manager being super friendly. Hey, buddy, buddy with the players. Yes, have good relationships with the players. Also, hold your players accountable. You are the boss. You are the one in control of decision-making. They should know that, and they should know that their play – or lack thereof is a reflection on you and you're not going to tolerate it. First move Aaron Boone's done that has been noticeable to me and I give it props. Yep. And uh, he, he certainly didn't have to do that. The front office did not tell him to do that. I'm sure Brian Cashman was like, wait, wait, the analytically inclined decision is to keep Hicks in there. He's more like he's 1.12% more likely to get a hit than a uh, Floreal. Okay, great. Thanks. No, you have to pull him. And he did it. And it was, uh, you know, Hicks in the aftermath of the game was like, gave all the right answers you know he said something like you know i thought i could still do it i i didn't feel like i needed to come out but i also didn't deliver it didn't execute yeah true accurate i don't really have a problem with aaron hicks the guy but aaron hicks the player probably has to not be here anymore 
Uh, and certainly not, uh, certainly not a Yankee stadium. If you're going to use him to take the foot off the gas pedal again, and hopefully you clinch something before you do that. But if you're going to use him again, you might want to do it on the road. Milwaukee's nice this time of year. That's where the Yankees go this weekend. Maybe Hicks gets a start out there, even though they won't have clinched anything by the weekend either. I don't know, guys. It's it's know. all a blur. Three weeks left. Yanks are in a better place now than they were when this podcast uh, went to the can on Thursday before the race series. But <laughs> still a lot of work to do. And I want to do a special shout out here. Thanks to Kevin Cash. Thanks to Rays manager Kevin Cash. Uh, he uh, employed an interesting strategy yesterday of, uh, I think, uh, putting the worst pitchers in the world out there in the hopes that he would give up so many runs to the Yankees that the Yankees scoring would take so long that they would not be able to complete five innings before the rain came again. But sadly, Kevin Cash, that strategy didn't work. You just lost by a million and the game went all nine innings. So thanks for throwing Luis Patino out there. Very lazy stuff uh, from Cash and the Rays pitching staff. Uh, of course, we didn't hit Ryan Yarbrough. We never do. But Ryan Yarbrough was supposed to pitch in one of these uh, important games up in uh, Canada. And now he's uh, not going to do that probably because he threw 70 whatever pitches in the in the Sunday slot fest that, again, probably should have gotten canceled. Maybe would have had to get made up as a game 162 after the rest of the regular season and would have screwed up somebody's wild card series. Instead, nope, we played yesterday. You tried your best. Beat down. Thanks for playing. Uh, also want to give you a shout out, though, for waking up Giancarlo Stanton. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, the the man who, who had made himself maybe not really a part of the second half for the Yankees, like at all, really had an all-star game moment, uh, disappeared shortly thereafter, was on the IL rehabbing from something we couldn't figure out. Is it serious? Is it not? Is Are they just being careful with his reps? Then he comes back and you're like, nope, it was serious. He looks terrible. Like they rushed, they rushed him back, which they never do. Uh, I mean, we knew he wouldn't have his timing back. That was no shock, but he didn't have his timing back. No extra base hits uh, from the end of his IL stint to this series, as far as I know. Um, and he also fouled a ball off himself against the Twins, tweaked his leg again on a swing, sat out a couple of games, pinch hit against the Twins and couldn't really move and was not striding into high fastballs, was just flicking them off and then swung over a curveball because of course he did. He's also the worst pinch hitter of all time, and we have to stop doing that. But he's a guy who who needs a lot of time to get in his rhythm and a lot of runway, and he didn't get it, and he couldn't figure it out, and he looked awful. And then Kevin Cash gave him a 49-mile-an-hour curveball, looper, slow pitch from Christian Betancourt, uh, who's a catcher slash pitcher slash failed two-way player slash I'm, I'm not sure, but that was an EFIS. That was not a fastball. And Stanton timed it up. Stepped up in the box. The pitch was so slow, he actually took a full step forward and bashed it off the left field foul pole. You can say, okay, so he homered off a position player. Great. Who cares? All he did was stat pad and in a 10-3 game. Well, took a fa- high fastball to right field to blow open Sunday's game too. After starting Sunday's game with another hit. First inning, right? Yeah. Rip single. Oh, oh, he walked. He walked. Sorry. Eh, my bad. He oh, walked. A great Saturday AB. was the single. Yeah, he had a rope single on Saturday in the Kluber onslaught. He walked to start out. His next at-bat after the position player pitching, he walked against Patino. And then his next at-bat after that, bases loaded, no outs for Judge. It's a sack fly to center. And you're like, eh, cool. But I was hoping for a few more runs. 
Maybe we get stopped here at 4-1. Nope, Stanton goes to right field, goes to the porch, 7-1. Shout out to Kevin Cash, who made the magic happen. The Rays are always going to throw a position player at you if they have the chance to. That's like their favorite thing to do. They love throwing games away. And if they were the Yankees, we'd be mad at them for doing that too. But put a position player in, in the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth on Saturday, Stanton goes yard. Trying to conserve pitchers for Sunday and for the upcoming Rays Jays series. Well, you know, couldn't get past Sunday. Couldn't conserve pitchers. Yankees tattoo them again. They had to go all bullpen Saturday and Sunday. You love to see it. Uh, the only reason you don't love to see it is because the Blue Jays are, are close now. The Blue Jays are like right behind the Rays. So if they kind of go nuts in this series, they'll pass the Rays. And then we don't need to think about the Rays' tough schedule anymore because it'll be all Blue Jays. Such is life. But Giancarlo Stanton is two-game heater. Thanks, potentially, to Kevin Cash for doing the dirty work there. Kevin Cash has a stable of guys who throw 46, I guess. Pretty cool. He's got two different stables, 96 or 98 and 48, we'll call it. This, is this a one-man stable, or does every other position player get to be in the stable, too? Because they probably all they also throw. Yeah. yeah, they probably all throw 46. The duality of bullpen, we'll call it, for the Rays. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, the stable of guys and then the beatable stable in honor of Taylor Walls. We'll <laughs> give him that honor. Um What's next for the New York Yankees? I mean, other than a two-game series at Fenway Park, and, and thank God it's just two games long, because uh, I tell you, the Red Sox, uh, they're not very good, but I still don't want to go there at all, ever. Mm. Uh, and I only have to go there for two games this time. This is a series that wouldn't be happening next year. The schedule is shorter. Uh, we still have to play the Red Sox six more times, four games in the Bronx. Uh, hopefully the Yankees are pretty close to clinching something at that point, either a playoff berth or maybe they put some distance between themselves and the Rays and Jays. I doubt it. It's probably going to be a dogfight for the rest of the year. There's a three-game series in Toronto still to come. Uh, Yankee schedule is a little easier, but only if you consider the Red Sox easy. Nobody does. They're going to be annoying. Uh, you you simply know they will. And you, th- you think you're lucky stars in like two of these games are in Boston, and they're in the middle of the week, so – yeah. Who knows if Boston fans are going to show up? I'm, I'm sure they'll show up kind of, but not maybe as much as they would have on Sunday Night Baseball. We digress. This roster, either way, for the home stretch, is going to look even more different than it did this weekend. Who's coming back? Aaron Hicks played himself off the roster, so uh, we're going to need you a new think left he's off the roster for the playoffs? Uh, yes. Good. So do I. I do I, think that. You can't. Uh, I mean, they should be, in theory. Don't know if they're going to go that bold, but they absolutely should. Uh, I mean, they're going to have a solid chance to do it if Harrison Bader comes back, which sure. he rehabbed yesterday with Somerset. He's going to rehab more with Somerset this week. He ain't done down there. And they, they hope to activate him for the Pittsburgh series next week, I believe, which is also when DJ LeMahieu thinks he's coming back. Uh, also pitching at Somerset on the road in Hartford against the Yard Goats yesterday. Uh, Zach Britton, who looked great with his experimental elbow tape. Miguel Castro who pitched a one, two, three inning, who I bet you haven't thought of in a long time. And a role this Chapman who scoreless inning, three strikeouts and a walk. One of the strikeouts came on an elevated changeup that he hung out of the zone. I don't think any major league hitter on earth would have struck out on that pitch. I would recommend looking at that uh, pitch by pitch. If you really think Chapman had a good day, just based on the stat line, I don't want to see him again, but he is coming back. They will use him. They're not going to bury him in the minors. Scott Efros thinks he's coming back. He's not with that rehab crew, but he says he's pretty close. He threw a bullpen the other day. 
That would be a welcome addition. Steven Ridings just tweeted an airplane emoji. He's definitely not coming right to the majors with all these other experienced relievers coming back. Maybe he's in Scranton for a couple weeks. Maybe if they need reinforcements, he comes up. I bet he finishes his season in the minors, but still nice to hear from him. And Anthony Rizzo got a blood patch over the weekend. Love to learn words like blood patch. Always feels good when you realize that just that's something that could happen to your body. It's out there. Uh, Apparently that means they put blood in his back and it helped stop some of the fluid leak and all of a sudden the headaches went away. Again, I don't want to think about that more than I just did. And so I won't make you guys either, but he was in the dugout this weekend. He was sitting up having a good time. So that's LeMahieu, Rizzo, Bader, Chapman, Britton, Efros, Castro, theoretically on the way back. Who Severino are you? Too. Luis Severino, who's only got one more rehab start. He goes back into the rotation. Herman goes to the bullpen. Maybe they piggyback each other. Clark Schmidt's job isn't safe anymore. Who stays, who goes, and who are you most excited to see back? Holy crap, man. This is a this is what you call a crunch crunch. Man, um, who am I most excited to see back? That is a good question. Um, thankfully, the rotation's largely been okay without Severino, and I do like watching Luis Severino pitch. Um, if I think if there was more struggles among the pitching staff, I would have been um, leaning towards him. But I think for me, it's Anthony Rizzo. Um, you forget the production that this team needs from the left side of the plate. You forget how much production they got from Anthony Rizzo and Matt Carpenter because they both have been either – out for a while or Rizzo has been laid up with back issues here and there that have affected his play, whether he was uh, getting rest or not. Um, There were two separate times before this one that the Yankees had an opportunity to place him on the IL. They, for some reason did not the situation worsened. Now you're missing Anthony Rizzo. Um, I think he does a great job in um, being that, um, that left-handed, uh, uh, kind of wedge in between um, John Carlos Stanton and Aaron judge. If that's how Aaron Boone puts the lineup together, I think it benefits both hitters. Judge obviously doesn't need any help, um, but I think Stanton is going to need help. I think Stanton's going to benefit tremendously when Anthony Rizzo is back. I think Stanton's going to benefit tremendously when that is paired with him getting his timing back. So I am absolutely loving that. Um, I will also say I'm slowly starting to get excited for Harrison Bader. Um, just because of the bad defense we've seen um, because of Aaron Hicks having to be in the outfield. Um, I also like the idea of him getting back to full speed for a multitude of reasons, um, one of which is it's going to force the Yankees to make a tough decision, as you just said, with Aaron Hicks. It gives them more of a reason to say, you know what, you're either gone or you're not on the postseason roster. We're not going to need you. Um, and two, I like Harrison Bader. Did I like the trade? No. Um, but I have to live with Harrison Bader now, as do you, as do the rest of us here. Um, and you look at Bader's stats historically, and they're largely pedestrian, but but he's fast as shit, which is you, what you really need come playoff time. You need a guy covering ground. You need a guy who's going to agitate a pitcher when he's on the base paths. And he has a big bat. When he gets into pitches, he crushes the ball. So I don't know – if that's going to be consistent, um, he's largely been in good-ish lineups in St. Louis. Um, so you would think the production kind of would have been there um, already, or you would have saw some sort of elevated showing from him. Um, and from an all-around standpoint, when you're talking about power average, you know, base stealing, um, walks and all that. Um, but the Yankees are a little bit different. You know, you have Judge in this lineup, who is constantly being intentionally walked now. Um, 
Teams are not going to be able to do that when there's when the when these these healthy guys return. Don't forget DJ LeMayhew if he's back and healthy. Guy was a top 15 hitter for a good portion of this season um, before the foot uh, injury kind of slowed him. Um, so you talk about lengthening a lineup. If you get DJ LeMayhew back, 80%. You get Anthony Rizzo back, 80%. You get Harrison Bader back. You're constantly putting in Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza in this lineup, which I think has been a great change of pace, which is why I'm wondering why Peraza didn't play this weekend. I thought it was a great change of pace. It felt good. Um, looked like he's been enjoying himself. He's He's been making plays. So I think if you have this kind of rotation of people coming in, you can get rid of the dead weight. I don't know if you need Marwin Gonzalez anymore after Anthony Rizzo comes back. I really don't. Uh, Floreal is not staying here. I think LaCastro and Hicks are both going to be potential casualties when Bader's back. Um, so uh, I think there's a lot of easy decisions here to make, but then you have the tough ones that the Yankees don't usually go far, go as far to make. So um, nonetheless, Rizzo is the one I'm most excited for. He's been a great change of pace in that lineup. He's such a tough out for opposing pitchers. I used to hate him crowding the plate when he was with the Cubs. I used to hate watching it. Now it's awesome, and I really enjoy it. Um, so that's how fan bias works in case you're wondering folks. Um, but yeah, how about you? What are you thinking? You're right. There are some easy ones. I, I mean, if you're, if we're talking about a major roster crunch, obviously with like nine, seven, eight or nine people coming back, there are going to be some obvious decisions. Uh, like not quite as obvious as Ben Rortvet going down for Jose Trevino yesterday. And we thank Ben Rortvet for his service. I can't believe he couldn't get an at-bat uh, on Sunday, even an eight, catch the eighth. Like, what are we doing? Was he even there? Did anybody see him? Like, a whole weekend of the paternity list, they start Higashioka three times. Crazy. Uh, cool. Uh, but there are some obvious ones, right? You, you get distracted, and you're like, how are we ever going to make room for XYZ? Tim LaCastro is going down. Esteban Floreal is going down. Miguel Andujar is going down. Who goes down between Andujar and Peraza? Hopefully Andujar, but I guess you don't really, you don't really know. Osvaldo Cabrera. It's got to be here to stay, my man. Lobby. Absolutely. They called him up in the middle of August. They did not call him up in September. The point was for him to be on the roster, and he's done nothing but deliver. He just went zero for twenty-five, and like nobody noticed because of how much he did in the field, how much yeah. he did on the bases, how good his abs were, quality at bats. Like we'll get you attention and recognition. He he's staying, and he's probably in the playoff lineup because I don't he think. Has to be. You can't guarantee Matt Carpenter's coming back. You can't guarantee Andrew Benintendi's coming back. Um, I, I don't think Matt Carpenter... Matt Carpenter had a cryptic Instagram yesterday with like a broken heart and a... a, a what are these things called? The the time things, the sand. In an hourglass. Hourglass. Uh, and so it's like, what does that mean? I don't know, but he's not in this first wave. And, and like, if he does come back, Marwin's gone or Peraza's gone. I don't think Peraza's going to get run in the playoffs either. It's weird. Probably shouldn't happen, but... Uh, I think he at least survives through LaCastro, Floreal, and Duhar. I think they're all gone before he is. Maybe they pick Peraza over Marwin, but somehow Marwin's managed to survive. Now, the pitching staff's where it gets tough. Yeah. Weissert and Ryan Weber are the first two down. Ryan Weber's already been cut three times this year and cleared waivers every time. Uh, and another thank you for your service award. He's been great. Uh, I, like he's, I like him a lot. When he's had to be, he's a change of pace. He's very interesting, but like, one run playoff game on the road. Ryan Weber not coming into that game. I don't think you're going to use him at any point in the postseason. So he's got to go. Uh, and Weiser had his moments. He was up. They use him in high leverage situations. 
he got Carlos Correa with the bases loaded in extra innings the other day. Then Correa got him the next day. It wasn't always sunshine and gravy, but he was fine, and he'll be a bigger piece of this team in the future. And he got a nice little cameo this year. That's fine. But Weber and Weissert are going down, uh, probably for Britton and Chapman if they make it back. Then you've got uh, Efros next, I would say. Are they going to demote Domingo Herman after all of this? Probably not. Uh, I don't tough know. Time, tough time to remember that Ron Marinaccio kept getting banished from the bullpen all summer long because he was the Austin's guy. Uh, and he also struggled on Sunday, and he's been a little iffy lately, struggled in extra innings against the Twins. Are they going to use that as an excuse to demote somebody who was once kind of recently maybe their second-best reliever? They might, and they can always pivot back by the time the playoffs come around. You get to redraw your playoff roster, right? So if they make October, they call Chapman up, and he's absolutely awful these last two weeks. They could go, nope. I don't know. All I'm saying is that he's an options guy. So is Clark Schmidt. Clark Schmidt's an options guy. Probably don't want to get too comfortable. Clark, even though you've been great, it's going to come down to you or Domingo or DFAing Lucas Litke. And are they really going to do that? in the middle of September after having him on the roster all year, after having him be an actually sneaky, valuable piece of this bullpen. I think they'd rather demote the options guys, the DFA Lucas Lipke. That's what happened earlier this summer when they had Clark and they had Marinaccio floating. And then the other difficult decision. Do you just not bring Miguel Castro back? I wouldn't. I think I saw enough. I know what he is. He's, an interesting erratic ground ball machine with a turbo sinker that they thought can maybe be clay Holmes, but they couldn't really harness him enough for him to be clay Holmes. And then he ended up kind of just being the guy who comes into the sixth inning of a game. You're up three, two, and you've already won the first two games of the series. And if he blows it, you're kind of like, eh, well, we already won the first two. And if he doesn't blow it, you're like neat. Or he comes in in the fifth inning of a five, nothing deficit. And you're like, here's the guy whose stuff is good enough that it doesn't look like we're throwing the game, but we also kind of are because he's erratic and, and kooky. I think you just, you, you you salute in Miguel Castro's direction and do not welcome him back this year. And I think that solves, I think that solves a problem. And then let's say somebody else gets hurt and you can always bring him back. I mean, you're not, you've got enough rehab clock to let it play out. I believe. Yes. I don't know. I don't think we see him again, but I think we see the other guys pretty soon. And uh, if Zach Britton's miracle elbow, which was like not Tommy John, it was fake Tommy John. It was like Tommy John with plastic tape. If he comes back and he's awesome and he's looked really good in the minors and I'm not trusting him. No, you know, I'm looking at you in your eyes. I'm I'm not trusting him, but if he comes back and he is good, do fewer people get full Tommy John moving forward? Do we start doing the the freaky tape? Hmm. Worth wondering. I am thinking a lot of things. Uh... Yeah, me too. I'm thinking a lot of things. Is Jonathan Luizic a part of this postseason roster? Yeah. Is he? He's like the eighth inning guy. He's pitched four times since August 30th. He's pitched. I, uh, look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying he hasn't been doing well. He's pitched eight straight, eight straight scoreless outings, but like one in a meaningless game, two in a meaningless game, three in a meaningless game. Okay, so these actually, you know, five of these have been meaningful games. So I'm not going to take that away from him. But what I don't know is that is that what he does is he battle tested enough for the postseason at this point? Would you rather have Litke on the roster? Would you rather have 
Clark Schmidt is a multi-inning guy. Uh, do you want to take a chance with Weissert and see if he can kind of get it? To, his stuff is nasty. I understand, you know, he's gotten – he's had he's had some really good outings and he has some really bad ones, but that's – you know, Wise is not consistent whatsoever. No. There was some really, really dumb stuff. I just don't uh, know. There was some really dumb stuff after Weiser gave up the homer to Correa. Somebody tweeted, like, see, that's what happens. It like, couldn't have happened. When you got that nasty slider, though, if somebody sits on it, they get deposited. It's like, that's not true, though, because if you execute that, it's off the fucking plate, and he strikes out. It was yeah. a bad slider. But don't tell me, like, yeah, if you have a good slider like that, like, sometimes it's just going to leave the ballpark. That's that's not true. If it's good, it's not getting hit. That pitch wasn't good. Yeah. And the same person was like, same with Adam Adovino, you know. And it's like, no, Adam Adovino misses with the slider. Again, yeah. if he executes, he gets outs. Yeah, you, he's unhittable if he executes. That was the, that was where the frustration was. You know, you see him with the Mets now. When he executes, he's awesome. When he doesn't, he gets tattooed. Um, so, yeah, it comes down to all this tough stuff. But right, right now, quickly, we have postseason rotation. Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Frankie Montas, Luis Severino. Does Tyone Herman stay? Tyone Herman, I think Herman stays because I think he's a better, he might be a better multi inning option out of the bullpen than Clark Schmidt, who Clark Schmidt's, like I said, been jerked around between bullpen starter. He clearly doesn't have enough to start, I don't think. But also, I don't know if I fully trust what the Yankees are doing with him. So I don't know if what we're seeing from him is exactly accurate or fully of his potential. Um, but then you look at the way Domingo's been pitching, and even though we don't really want him here, I, the Yankees the Yankees have kept him aboard since 2019 despite all these issues, and he's pitched very little, and now he's finally paying paying dividends and showing results. Like, I just don't think they get rid of him. Um, and then you're worried. The, the back end of the bullpen is where I'm worried about. Is Clay Holmes fully back? I don't really think so. Just don't think he is. Or oldest Chapman, I'm not relying on him for anything. Zach Britton, I'm not relying on him for anything. Jonathan Lewisaga, I loved him last year, but that was that career year that he had in 2021 was an outlier based on his the remainder of his track record, I think, since debuting in 2017 or 16. I forget what it is. Don't quote me on that. Nonetheless, it's been multiple years of bad stuff and one year of good stuff. Um Trevino uh, saying, obviously, Wandy Peralta, I think their roles are entrenched. Ron Marinaccio simply has to stay. You can't be doing that. So um, I'm looking at, obviously, Weissert, Weber, Schmidt. Um, yeah, I mean, those – and then, again, I don't know what you do with Licky. The back end of the bullpen is just so far, like, in, in etched in stone for me that I don't know what moves they make. Um, I don't know who they trust. I don't know if they're going to want more multi-inning guys because that might be the better approach. I don't know. I don't know if I'm sounding dumb. I'm just looking at this bullpen constantly, and I'm like, I don't know what this is anymore. This used to be a very self-explanatory, you go to X, Y, and Z to finish a game. Now I don't know what the approach is. And because so many play, uh, so many guys have been inconsistent, so many guys have been injured, um, and then you have these other players coming back from injury, uh, so I just don't – I don't know what the order of operations is going to be. I think the postseason rotation is settled if Luis Severino comes back and is healthy, and I don't think we're going to be upset to see Jamison Tyone in the postseason rotation if Severino is not able to come back. Or maybe, hey, does Severino come back as a reliever? Does he? 
Is that possible? Is that crazy? What if he comes back as a reliever and Tyone's the fourth starter? Are you going to cry about that? Um, I don't know. I, again, I don't know. The, I think the, the relief core needs a lot of help. There are way more questions than answers. Um, to answer your uh, Miguel Castro question, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's that much worse than what we have right now. I really don't know. I think his stuff is nasty. I think when it's obviously executed, it's really good. Then again, you have the question, do you want a guy – and you're bringing back Zach Britton. So do you want two guys who rely on contact coming out of the bullpen as opposed to strikeouts? And then I think that's where you have a whole different issue because then I think you need more strikeout guys when the postseason arrives. Um, so in, in summation, this is a mess for me. This is the one puzzle I won't be able to solve. This is the one thing I won't have a clear answer for. Um, I'm worried about this unit, point blank. There were some good Matt Blake quotes yesterday that in the great Sherman piece about how the, you know they, they gave themselves a blueprint yesterday, basically saying, you know, remember 2020 when we just ran Britain and Chapman and Ottavino into the ground and you knew that's exactly who was finishing every game. And, yeah. and you know, before Loisaga emerged, it's like there was all predictability here. And by the time October came around, it's like they're going every single day. And then it resulted in extra Britain outs, Chapman on Mike Brasso, all that crap. Yeah. Um, and this year that, you know, even without Chapman, Britain, Castro, Efros, they still had enough guys to get comfortably through an entire Sunday game, eight innings, and they didn't use Loisica. So encouraging for sure. However, there are definitely Schmidt outings where he doesn't have a put away pitch. And you're yeah. like, what is this guy moving forward? There's no slider here. The fastball is 94 and a center cut. What am I looking at? There are definitely... Weissert outings where he's hanging the slider. There are definitely Litke outings where he can't get anybody out. Like yesterday, he was quite bad when this was a 3 nothing game that became yeah. 3-1 that almost got even tighter. Um, Lou Trevino, people are saying, has a minor league option left. I don't want to lose him from this bullpen. He's been great. Uh, you know, sometimes he allows inherited runners to score, almost never creates his own runs. I'll take it in the playoffs. Um, Severino in the bullpen would not stun me in the postseason. I think he got to carry Tyone either way. The worst part is that just, you know, every permutation of this bullpen at its best does not involve a role as Chapman. Yeah. And you would love to be up eight or nine right now with the opportunity to put Chapman in tie games in the seventh. And if he gags it away, just to shrug and go, yeah, okay, now we got our answer. But you don't really have to experiment to know what you're getting from Chapman in October, right? That experiment is kind of just like fuel for the day-to-day, you know, flip-flop narrative of sports media. Like, we need something to talk about, so we're going to experiment with Chapman today and see what he has. And if he's good, then we'll talk about how he could be the eighth-inning guy or the closer in the playoffs. And if he's bad, we could talk about what that means, too. We all know he's bad in postseason scenarios. We all know he's more likely to give you ugliness than to give you joy. Uh, and I don't want to root for a team that is using him as one of its vaunted back-end options as the postseason approaches. And no random one-inning stint at Fenway Park or in Toronto will change that for me. And I kind of thought his tattoo issue was a magic, you know, button to get out of this season. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. So he infected a tattoo? Great. Now we don't even have to think about this. But he's coming back. He looked shaky in his rehab appearance. Of course he did. And he's going to be a factor down the stretch and into the postseason I would rather see Greg Weiss or I would rather see Clark Schmidt. I would rather see any number of people who I won't see because a role Chapman is like the one guy who's penciled in 
not as the closer, but as somebody who you're going to use in a late and close scenario in a postseason game. Yeah. It's true. I don't thought Chapman and Hicks should have been gone long ago. Thought it would have solved some problems. I thought it would have allowed some players to settle in and know what their roles might have been when the stretch came and when the playoffs came. But yeah, I it it's this is this is gonna be if the Yankees manage to do something and either you know take you know, if they if they get to the ALCS, it'll probably be against the Astros. They get to the World Series. This will be Aaron Boone's best work for piecing it together with all the injuries that have happened, with all the issues with the bullpen. Um, the starting rotation, luckily, he hasn't really had to think about. It's just the answers have been laid out for him. It's right there. You deal with some injuries, great. Put Schmidt in there, great. Whatever, whatever we have to do, the, the solutions are there. But the bullpen is a crazy puzzle, and I will be the first to give him props if they can navigate – um, the remainder of this season, 21 games left with a five and a half game lead. I, that's far from a guarantee. Um, obviously, yeah. it helps, but it helps that the Jays and the Rays have five in a row. Um, hopefully, they beat up on each other and we just keep eating games off the calendar, our favorite thing to do. Um, but there's still a long way to go, both regular season and postseason. Um, and hopefully, we have some answers to these questions as the weeks progress. But I just don't, just don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I just wish they would have made some harsher decisions and would have elevated people to spots that they deserve. But here we are. This is this is what the Yankees do. So we got to live with it for now. Um, and hopefully when some of these guys are on the mend, they can make a couple of tough decisions. They can maybe determine if Chapman is not, shouldn't be here. If you'd rather have somebody else eating innings or somebody who's more reliable at this point. Um, so yeah, I'll be sitting here giving all the props in the world if we can if we can get through whatever these bullpen questions are that need to be answered, but I am confused as to what the answers may be. I'd rather be living here asking these questions, confused about the postseason roster with a five and a half game lead in the division than what we entered the weekend with. Yep. So I'm not going to complain, Yes. but uh, yeah, a lot of work left to do. Nobody thinks this is over 21 games. It's too many games. Every time I look at the schedule, I go that many games. Really? Okay, great. Uh, only one doubleheader left for the Yankees and it's in Texas and it's the last week of the year. And hopefully those games are the most meaningless possible baseball games. It would be great to rest everybody. Um, I've been doggedly like every time it became more difficult for us to hit a hundred wins or hit some threshold, I would be pissed, but let's say we enter that Texas series with things clinched and they got like 93 wins. I couldn't care less about the win total. Do not no. play anybody in those games at all. We've seen too much bad injury luck this year. You can't blame bad injury luck for a stretch or a record or a season, but objectively the Yankees had a good record. Then they had a month where they lost a lot of winnable games. And then in, in a, with a chance to dig out of that hole, they then lost the entire team to injury. Yep. So it was like, so that's why you don't want to lose all those winnable games. Cause then you lose your roster. Weirdly, they've looked more competent over the last week or so with a dead roster. But still, be be careful in the last series in Texas. Don't be careful in the middle of July. Nope. Hope that makes sense. Uh, but it would it would be great to render those meaningless. Maybe you get out with 95, 96 wins. Um, is that too optimistic? Uh, after the weekend, I think that's in line with my current expectations. But the goal should be getting into the Texas series 
with nothing left to play for but funsies. Uh, and they have a solid opportunity to do that. And let's hope they can sort out those bullpen rolls. And let's hope Aroldis Chapman is not a part of whatever they sort out. That is it for this edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's always the same thing. We don't. There are no new podcast platforms. Uh, hopefully you get your podcast from uh, maybe you built one yourself and then put us in your podcast platform. Do it. Uh, give us a five-star review while you have a chance. Our friend who does nothing but review us, hasn't reviewed us since June. Hope he's okay. Would love another review from somebody else to maybe counteract his. Maybe invite him back. Uh, he can review us once more. Yeah. Uh, drop us a mailbag question. We're happy to answer because we got a postseason ahead of us. We're going to be doing some playoff live streams. We're going to do all that good stuff Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, 2 o'clock Eastern. Otherwise, though, for the standard live streams and Monday, Thursday episodes go up every week. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinerib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you? Hey, folks, hit me up on at Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, we're talking on Twitter all the time. You can hit both of us up on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. You can catch us and our bylines at YanksGoYard.com. We got plenty of content there for you, as usual. We'll never let you down. Uh, big shout out to the New York Giants. This is also a New York Giants fan pod. Um, obviously, all New York sports, we try to be positive. But the Giants... Maybe turning the ties for New York. That was one of the – that was – what is that? The first winning move we've seen from the Giants in five years. Their uh, first winning two. record. It's their first it's winning record since 2016. Yeah. It's one, it's one and oh. And I, yeah. I think back to – we've been doing this podcast just a couple of years. And, and the, the happy podcast we did when Colt McCoy beat the Seahawks on the road – for a Giants team That's that ultimately fun. obviously did not finish over 500 and got like bounced out of the playoffs by the Eagles resting their starters and what that team was like six and ten right like yeah. they don't even when they have positive moments it's not a winning record it's a no. it's a loser team doing loser things uh but not not today my friends not today three big plays I think um who's it Shepard Barkley, Galladay, and then um, you had that two-point conversion at the end because you know that's how you flip the narrative if you're the Giants and a team like the Yankees. You know you just got to step on their throat and put the pressure on the home team or put the pressure on the other team that has the upper hand. Um, So the Giants did that. Hopefully we can see more from the Yankees during this coming stretch um, and into the postseason. Uh, Next time we'll talk to you folks Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, live right here. See you then. See ya. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.